Andrew did a great job last week um, uh, talking about uh, serving, and uh, it all comes back to this, that if you have a relationship with Jesus, if that means you, you've confessed, repented, turned from your sins, if you have a relationship with, that's not just a one-time thing back there, but if it's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we call that a life-changing love relationship, then you have a new identity. And that's the basis for this series. You can stand and say with boldness and confidence, I am a child of God. It's one thing to do it. It's, it's, it's not just doing it in church, but it's, it's living in such a way that your life is making that statement to our world and our culture, I am a child of God. How many know that's a full-time thing? That's not a Sunday thing alone. That's every day, all the time, in every relationship. So let's read it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Again, kind of a key verse. Therefore, if anyone, I love that, that inclusiveness of it. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I don't overlook those little words like all, okay? That, that means that means. Total surrender. That, that means palms up living like we, like we say often here. So through Christ and in Christ now in the relationship, you have a new and powerful identity. Your life purpose is to follow Jesus all the way to heaven. And this connects with our, our point today of being a witness. And our goal is to take as many people with us as possible along the journey. Agree? We want to plunder hell and we want to help populate heaven. Agreed? I mean, do you want anybody that you care and love, do you want them to spend eternity in hell separated from God? Absolutely not. And our witness, day in and day out, is so powerful. So a key thought is believers are followers of Jesus and are genuine, that's full time, all the time, not one thing at school and another thing at home or whatever. They are the real deal, even though human, and are huge influencers. Did you know that you're an influencer today? God has planted you where he wants you. I love what I heard this week on a podcast. Michael Todd said, here is holy. You think about that. I love that. God's not making a mistake. Wherever you are, whatever season you're in, that is a holy time. God wants you exactly where you are for such a time as this. That means holy to the Lord. One of my favorite trilogies is the ultimate life, ultimate uh, gift, and the ultimate legacy. Has anybody seen those movies on TV? Oh, those are t movies at their best. You ought to watch them. But the reading in one of them of the last will and testament of self-made Texas oil billionaire Red Stevens was quite a moment for his dysfunctional family. I mean, they showed the reading of the will. Most of their reactions were extremely negative because people are funny about money and things. Somebody told me that a long time ago when I was first starting on ministry. Boy, was he correct. He said, be careful, pastor. People are funny about money and things. That's because we get attached to them, huh? Red's will in this trilogy was thoughtful and articulate and was delivered by his lifelong attorney friend named Hamilton, but in his own words, verbatim, with blunt explanations, his own words represented his heart's desire and convictions while he was still alive. Okay, the last, the idea of the last will and testament. So, I hit this in another, a couple weeks ago, but I'll come back to its strong point here. What is said at the end of life or before some kind of separation is probably the matters of greatest importance. For example, I've mentioned that, that uh, parents t typically give their most important instructions right before their child walks out the door. Agreed? 
you know, the problem is you've just said it for the 10th time. It reminded me, Dixie and I like to watch old shows like Dick Van Dyke. Does anybody know Dick Van Dyke? Some of you younger people, you know, I, I know it's not cool and trendy, but when you're at your grandparents' home, watch it. You'll get drawn in, you'll love it too. But the very first episode, they're going, Dick has to go to something for his boss and they, he's gonna entertain him. And Laura doesn't wanna go because she thinks Richie has a fever. And finally he convinces her to go. She's convinced something horrible is gonna happen while she's gone. And, and the babysitter there, teenager, she was just shouting out instructions. Don't forget this. And, don't, and Dick said, Laura, if you say one more thing, I'm gonna pick you up and carry you out. She said one more thing and he picked her up and carried her out, but she was still barking orders over her shoulder to the babysitter. You get the picture? Last words are very, very important. And so let's look at Jesus and we wanna to go to another familiar scripture in a moment as an example because he came to this earth, he poured his life into his disciples, into his followers. Then he went to the cross and poured out his lifeblood so that sins could be forgiven. He defeated death forever by coming out of the grave after three days. That's the gospel in a nutshell. After appearing to his disciples and many followers several times, he ascended to heaven right before their eyes. And his final challenge and instructions, his last words on earth were what? Right here, I'll read it again from Matthew 28. Jesus came in this gathering, as I mentioned, and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Would everybody agree with that? Jesus had the Father's authority. And he said, now, because of that, I have authority, and I want to speak into your life. And I want to tell you, him speaking into our lives doesn't mean just back then, but it goes all the way through the ages and he's speaking to our lives out of the authority that the Father has given him. Therefore, in light of this, go and make disciples of all nations. That means take as many people to heaven as you can. Don't leave anybody behind. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We love baptisms around here. And then verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Pass it on, in other words. And be sure of this, here's our confidence. Be sure, be certain of this. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Look at, do a scriptural search. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you in all the circumstances, yes, today, right now, are you looking for him? So this has been called through the ages, it's become known as the Great Commission. His disciples and followers were commanded to go and share the good news with Holy Spirit-powered boldness. Unfortunately, I believe for many followers of Jesus, the Great Commission has become the great omission. But the Bible still says, and I didn't look it up, but don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone and everyone who believes and receives. I'm paraphrasing there. Let me read Acts 1.8. This commandment is given again, and, and I see it as this. It's show and tell time, and you all remember show and tell time. I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to, especially in kindergarten, and, and, and the, the showing is just as important as the telling, and I think the showing comes first. How about you? The assigned task will never be complete until Jesus returns, but Acts 1.8 says it this way, but you, could somebody just say me? Oh, we love to shovel the truth to everybody. I hope my spouse gets us to know. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, not them, but you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and that basically means wherever you go. And a verse came to mind this week about that, this whole idea of witness. Um, what does Revelation 12, I think it's 11 say? Uh, 
you overcome them by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimonies. Another passage in Revelation said, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the testimonies of Jesus' activity, that, that gives a future and a hope that is positive. Acts 1.9 says, then when he had spoken these things, these last words of utmost importance, great, huge importance, after he'd spoken these things, while they watched, is it any wonders why the disciples never got over all this stuff? They saw him dead, they saw him alive. They watched him go from here to there. You think you'd ever get over that? That's why they nearly all went to their death saying, Jesus is risen, just as he said. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Boy, that'd turn your life right side up, wouldn't it, in a hurry? Jesus personally delivered his last words, his will and testament, right before ascending. And since this is true, being his passionate witnesses is a matter of great importance. I wanna ask you this repeatedly throughout this message. What kind of witness are you? Because you are one. If you claim the name of Jesus today, you are a witness that because people are watching your life. All the time. And I say it often, that's what I love about a smaller community, because somebody's eyes are always on you. You don't even know it, but that's good. How do you know that's good? That's accountability, because you have influence. So let's talk about the importance. Jesus left no doubt about why we're to be his witnesses. He gathered his disciples around the table before he went to the cross. He explained to them what was gonna happen, but they didn't understand until after he came out of the grave, and then they go, oh yeah, he told us about this. He wanted them to know how they and others, how we could join him in heaven forever. And then in John 14, we read these words, verse one. Let not, I like the personalization of this. Let not your heart be troubled. Wherever you are in the circumstances today, this Jesus' words penetrate through the ages. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me, trust my word. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, it's personal. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will, may also be. Are those encouraging words? I woke up with this thought in my mind today. Take heart, there's hope. This is not all there is. We gotta live like it. The worst circumstance that we're facing now, this is, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, yes to Jesusers, this is not all there is. We're living for a higher calling. We're living for another day, but living this day to the fullest as a gift from Almighty God. Would you just write that on the flyleaf of your mind? This is not all there is. I'm gonna live like it. I'm gonna live like it. I'm not gonna despair. I'm not gonna cave. I'm not gonna waver. This is not all there is because I believe in him. Don't be troubled. He says, I'm here. I love the translation that I often use another one. I can't remember which one. It says, as soon as things are ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And I pontificate on that a little bit because, man, that's, that's great language. I mean, who in the world do you want to always be with you where you are? Think about that. I could go into detail, but I won't. Jesus was saying, basically, he's telling them and us, I'll be waiting for you in heaven and I'll come at just the right time and make room for you. Now I love it in John 14, five, Thomas we can get critical of Peter and Thomas, but however you know, they are us and we are them. You know, Thomas was known as a questioner and a doubter, but you know what, in this case, he probably just said what other people were only thinking. But good old, some of these guys, they just bleh, some of you have the gift as well. You say, you say what everybody else may be thinking. 
Jesus responded directly and passionately with power and clarity, and no message could be any clearer. Jesus said, 14.6, I'm gonna tell you again, what Jesus speaks is eternal, it never goes away, his word never, never fades, so what he spoke then is still going, it's like perpetual motion to infinity, infinity, it's still true, and here's what he said to them and to us. I want you to get the us part too. It's not just for them, it's for us. Have I said that before? We've got to grasp it, here it is. Jesus said to him, but he says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the, oh, you know it. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are the words of Jesus. Those words are still true. I don't care what culture says. Jesus said, I'm the only way to get to the Father. He's the only way to salvation, the only way to heaven. Faith in Jesus and a relationship with him that's current is the only way to get into heaven and experience eternal life with him. This is both, hear me, it's an exclusive and inclusive invitation. Everyone is invited to come, but entry is only granted through Jesus Christ. You see that creative tension there? This urgent message is what you and I were to carry and share with the world who is hurting, who is looking and has their ladders on all kind of walls that don't lead to eternal life, that only lead to disillusionment. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Believers and followers are chosen and mandated to tell others about Jesus and his love. We are to use our influence in that way to show and to tell others about the love of Jesus. That's why we're doing Alpha this first round, we're preparing people because it's gonna be something, it's a lot of us in the room mainly, but we wanna be prepared so that we can tell others about Jesus, we can introduce them. And by the way, it's not, why don't you go over there and go to Alpha, why don't you go to, 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 to my start, a basic class, you go, will you come with me, could I go with you? I'll tell you again, I, I used to tell my teens, and I know I repeat myself, but you know, even this morning, I was getting after kids to meet and reach out to new kids that they didn't know, and, and uh, and, and, and time again, I, I would say to them, if you go to them, say if somebody's sitting with their parents, and, and I would say to you, Patrick, hey, would you come sit with the teens? Probably they may not do it. Mostly they wouldn't at least that time. But something happens. What if I'd go and say as a teen, hey, may I sit with you? What are they gonna say? Right? No, you can't sit here. No. Instead of, will you take a walk with me? Can I walk with you? Can I run with you? There's a little difference that's huge. Why? I was listening to my, one of my best friends that I've never met, this side of heaven, but I will one day, Andre Crouch, who's there. I wonder if he's still writing songs in heaven. I'm, I'm not sure. But one of my favorites is one that he just does, Just Andre. I think that was the album. It's called It's, called it's Not Just a Story, but it's just Andre and the Piano. And, and I was thinking about this, and I went and put that on repeat this morning. And, and it's, it's a basic story about his, how, how the Lord met him where he was and dis, dispelled his doubts and fears and the, through the love of Jesus. But the second verse picks up, if I can read my writing and memory. Beautiful story of Jesus. This world is longing to know. You see, I, I'm not sure we believe that, but I do. The beautiful story of Jesus, people are longing to know. They're looking for significance Oh, wonderful story of Jesus. I'll take it wherever I go. Tell of his love for this world to save every man, woman, boy, and girl. Oh, it's not just a story, but reality. I just got goosebumps when I was reading those lyrics. Wow. That's what followers do. There's an urgency to this command. The stakes are high. The consequences are eternal. I mean, think about it. 
What do we want for our kids and grands more than anything? We want them to know and fall in love with Jesus. Is there anybody that wants your kids or grands to miss heaven? No, we want them to make it through. So much depends upon our consistent witness. We can't make decisions for us, but I'll say it again. You are witnesses. You must seize every opportunity the Lord gives you to share the good news. So I'll ask you again, you are a witness. What kind of witness are you when a business deal goes south, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, when you're participating in sports? I don't care what the issue is, the commonalities of life. I just wanna ask you, I can't answer that. What kind of witness are you? Because you are one. Nod your head if you're with me. You are one, you are one. Well, Romans 10, I won't, I'll just skim it, nine. It talks about confessing with our mouth, Lord Jesus, believing in our heart. That's how we're saved, believing he's raised from the dead. And then it says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That connects with what we just shared a little bit ago. Jesus said, I'm the way. Anyone, everyone who calls. Listen to Romans 10, 14 now. Listen to Romans 10, 14. How can they, who is, who, who's your they? The person you work with, neighbors in your household, whatever the case may be, go to school with, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? In other words, that's universal. You can't get to heaven without believing in Jesus, agree? That's what the scriptures say. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? You see, we think of people who have never heard in the far corners of the, of the earth and the world, but I wanna tell you, there's all kinds of people in America that have never heard the good news of Jesus and his power to save and transform. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them. I don't know about you, but I'm a someone, are you? I fit into that category of a someone. And so the scriptures tell us, I didn't look it up, but always be ready to share your story, to share the reason for the hope that you have. Be sure to include the rough times and the doubts. Don't leave those things out. Not everyone will believe and receive, but I've got news for you, many will. And if you think there's gonna be an end of the world revival where everybody's gonna come into the, tumbling into the kingdom, you're sadly mistaken. I believe there will be a, get, but there's a great falling away too. There's always gonna be that creative tension. There's gonna be a great falling away, but there is gonna be a great ingathering. But don't believe that everybody is gonna embrace Jesus because that's never gonna happen. But anyone can. I told you, I can still see as yesterday at Hoover High School, the old, which is now the middle school. I remember where I was sitting in study hall. I can see the clock, the, the machines. I can see the windows outside. And a guy named Tim, who was kind of a ladies' man, partier known, he'd come and he'd always be strutting his stuff and telling his stories and all of this. And I mean, he was a good guy, but, but he was just full of it, you know? He just was. I mean, he was his own biggest fan. So... One day he came in and, and his face was just glowing and, and I just overheard him. He was over here, I was just sitting down a bit and uh, his face was glowing and, and he said, he was telling everybody, he said, hey, something great happened to me. He said, I met Jesus, I met Jesus. And I mean, he was just going on and on, you know, people were acting like they didn't hurt. But in 70s, that was probably 73, that was more acceptable to talk about it then than now, but you know, people didn't know what to make of him, but he would not be stopped. So anyway, he stopped to get a breath and I said, hey Tim, hey Tim, um, I'm a Christian too, I love to hear it. And his face fell, and I'm still convicted by it. You know what he said to me? Why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? Ugh! Now, I didn't do an eternal guilt trip over that, but it was sure a wake-up call for me. You know why I didn't? Because I never thought he'd be interested in Jesus. And you know who those people in your life, you don't say anything because you think they'd laugh at you, scorn you. You don't think they'd ever be interested. But oh, have I seen people tumble into the kingdom that everybody's getting up, giving up on. And however you know, they make some of the best followers of Jesus. 
So I took a wake-up call for that. And so I, I'm telling you today, I haven't made the most of every opportunity that I've had over the years to share the good news of Jesus and his love. And looking back, listen, I'm not able to say about any missed opportunities like Tim and others, I'm sure. I couldn't. I can only say I didn't. You follow me? I was too bad. No, I could say I, I chose not to. I, I chose not to share Jesus with, with Tim. Matthew 28, 18, and 20b Jesus came and told his disciples, his followers, those who believed in him, I have been given again all authority in heaven and on earth. Be sure of this. I am with you even to the end of the age. And what he's saying is, it's not your power and strength. You're doing my work. I will give you the power to speak up. The results are not up to you. They're up to me. But are you willing to share? You witness to others by the way you live, for him and for them, for him and for them. In doing so, you're not alone. He says, I am in you. If you're my follower, if you have a relationship, I am in you, and I'll give you the building, the opportunities. The Holy Spirit in you gives you everything you need to be a consistent witness. He gives you authority. He gives you power. He gives you boldness. Rely on him. He's the one who's commanded you to do it. And he said, and I'll come to this at the end. He said, not only that, but I'll give you the desire and the power to do it. So I jotted this thought down. I won't is probably far more accurate than I can't. The truth is today, when it comes to being a witness, yes, you can. And furthermore, you are a witness of some kind right now. So I just want to leave a couple thoughts with you. First of all, always be looking for ways to establish and develop relationships with others. And you know, that's a cop-out sometimes because we think, well, I can only share Jesus with people I know really well. And I wanna say this, I've said this, but relationships take so many forms. You don't, listen to me, you don't have to be best friends with somebody to have a relationship with them. You follow me? You don't have to be best friends with somebody to know them. And once you know somebody, you can't unknow them. Agree? You can unfriend them, but you can't unknow them. Just think about that. Have you heard this before? Any person may be only one relationship away from meeting and knowing Jesus. Oh, it's still true. Follow the example of Jesus as he was being about the Father's business, and that's people. Ask questions and listen to their responses and gain their respect and understanding. Let them know you're interested in it. The best way to connect with people is to look for and seize ways to begin to build relationship. I mean, that's the people we're around every day. I mean, I, we could just, uh, regular servers, somebody that does your yard, a delivery person, doctors, nurses, neighbors, whatever the case may be, ask the Lord to show you ways. I love it. We were, we were at uh, Indianapolis. Shepherd had a great visit on Monday, a long day, left early, got back late. But Jay Height said something like this in his team that we met with there. He said, it's all about relationships here. All the things we've been doing for 38 years, it's about relationships. And he said, so many times I see churches, they want people to plug in, come here, plug into us. Like he said, that is not our philosophy. He said, ours is this, we plug into, we engage with people. Like, I wanna be where the? Oh, you got it. We call that relational evangelism. <sighs> we met with the, paramedic Shane and the officer Adam that are employed by there and that go out in the community and do calls and, and, and they're there to protect and to heal but the primary thing they're about is to show that they care to engage with people where they are on their turf. Wow, was that, those were powerful moments. Um, we talk about this all the time about pray now moments. 
I think Jay told us, the, the founder who spoke here a few months ago, he said, he said, that's, he said my wife and I, we, we deliver food and we do all these things in this community and these, in these two zip codes that we serve. And, and he said, I tell people a lot of the time, you know, I'll be praying for you. But he said, so far, he has never received an answer no when he says, can I pray with you? That Talk about a pray now moment that changes everything. Well, Think about this. The second thing is, why do we focus on relationships? Because they're so important. That's how most everybody comes to know Jesus, because of a relationship of some kind, influence. At some point, relationships open doors for spiritual conversations and opportunity for us to share the gospel with the good news of Jesus. The problem is we try to do it outside of the credibility of a relationship, and it's not near as effective. The, the greatest sharing opportunities come within the context of relationship. You follow me? And relationships take effort. But for me, you know, in my neighborhood, I want to, not just the parents, I want to have relationships with the kids that are there. I, I want them to, to know that Dixie and I love them, that we care about them, that our door is open to them, our front porch is open to them. But we have a purpose because we believe that everyone needs Jesus. So I wonder, would you be willing as a part of your daily prayer to ask God, saying, would you give me an opportunity? And if you do, I'll intentionally walk through the door to share the good news of Jesus. I love this quote. I think it was maybe from Tim Rainer. I think, I think he said this. God will give you all the opportunities your obedience will allow. Did you get that? God will give you all the opportunities your obedience will allow. Wow. You might begin at some point sharing how you became a believer, a follower of Jesus, and the changes that decision is making in your life. Or maybe it's just this, to join the apostles in Acts 4.20 that says, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. I think the order is appropriate. Show and tell, seen and heard, they never got over what they saw and what they heard, but they especially never got over what they saw. You're a witness, people are looking at your life and I wanna bring this home. This section, I just put the word invite. I love this story in John 4, 29. It says this, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. Why did they come streaming from the village? Because a person had the courage to say, come and see. Oh. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you what he spoke into my life and the people came streaming. Do you think that's outdated? No. I think Tim gives the example of something like this from the unchurched next door study some years ago. But he said in a survey conducted with non-believers, he said three out of four responded strongly that they would attend church with a friend if invited. And it's probably still at least three out of five. Think about that. Think about the people that would come, even to Worcester Naz, to hear about Jesus, if you would simply invite them. There's reasons we do dedications the way we do. There are reasons that we do baptism the way we do. That, there's reason we do nights of worship, because we want to have opportunities for you to bring your friends and point them to Jesus. And sometimes it's as simple as just inviting. How many of you are doing that regularly? I, I think we need to be convicted about this. 
Because if you care enough to establish some kind of relationship, probably you just would go do a drive-by, roll out with a stop sign. Hey, you want to come to Western Airlines on Sunday? Want to go? Well, they probably won't come. But if you have a relationship, that gives you capital to speak into their life. Inviting. Does anybody here believe that Jesus was inviting? Huh? I mean, he had a winsome way about him. And he wants us to always be inviting because your life is inviting or uninviting. So your life is pointing to Jesus. What is your life saying about him? Just asking. I'll read it again, Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of their by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Wow. Our vision frame that we often refer to and teach is that our mission is loving God, loving people, and living transformed. It's in the living transformed formation, that perpetual that leads us just in a never-ending circle and cycle. That is where the power of influence is in our witness, that we are living, breathing examples of living transformed. Living transformed as in present tense active. We met Jesus, we don't have it all together, we're gonna get better, but we are living transformed right now in the middle of a fallen culture. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up. The disciples knew and remembered the last words of Jesus that he spoke on earth, that's where I started. He commanded them to be his witnesses In the face of pressure and persecution, they also knew their only hope was through the power of the Holy Spirit. They prayed. Let me read Acts 4, 29. And now, O Lord, in the, in the face of pressure and persecution, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with what? Boldness. The disciples experienced and witnessed the life-changing power of God. They went out to share their faith full of God confidence. So what's it mean for us? Could I just give some practical suggestions as I conclude? Would you begin to pray for opportunities to share Jesus? That's a prayer sometimes we're timid and hesitant to pray because we're afraid he might. I think he'd love to answer that prayer. How about you? Pray for lost people by name, by place, whatever it may be. Introduce yourself whenever you can. Make friends. Pray that people will say yes to your invitation wherever. I love it when I come, and this has happened recently, where people come, and I, I see them stand alone on the floor, and I go, hey, hey, are, 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 how are you here? Are you living? And they go, well, so-and-so invited me, but so-and-so's nowhere to be found. It's a, like, I'll meet you there. Pray that people will say yes, and then pray for boldness. I want to go back to that Acts 1-8 again. But you shall, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, and everywhere, all the time, all the time. One of our five vision frame measures at Worcester Ness is going, going, we're going, we're serving, but we're going to share the good news through our life. This is one of the markers that tell us we're doing what God wants us to do and being who and doing what God created us to be and do.
I am a child of God, so I must witness. I must share. Well, I've got a new life verse that I'm added to my stack of favorite verses. I alluded to it in my last message, I believe, but I want to go to Philippians 2.13. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this. is going to be a breath prayer source for me, but I just know it is. It's in my spirit. Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you. This so connects to this call to be witnesses. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Is that encouraging? It's God working in you. It's not some pastor putting you on a guilt trip. God's spirit is working in you and through you. And he wants to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So here's how I am saying and praying this. For God, you are working in me, giving me the desire and power to do what pleases you. And my prayer is, John 12, 28, hey, Father, bring glory to your name. What an exciting, goosebump way to live every day. This is a day that you've gifted to me. I'm gonna make the most of it. Witness by your life how you stand, what you do, what you don't do. This isn't all there is, and this life isn't about you. It's about him, and it's about people who have not yet said yes. So today, look for opportunities. If you go out to eat, be friendly, be warm. Tip your server extra well. Do whatever you need to do, but establish a familiarity. You never know when the Holy Spirit will give you the opportunity to invite or to speak an encouraging word. Amen? Amen? Would you stand with me if you can, if you care to, and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Your word is truth. I thank you for these wonderful, wonderful people, all shapes and sizes that make up Worcester Nass family, those in line as well, and oh my, bind our hearts together in love. And give us a new desire to go out of our way to engage people, not to just say, hey, come with us, but can we walk with you? In the middle of whatever you're going through, Give us creative ways to remember names and faces and to speak to them again and ask them about what they told us the last time and say, can I pray for you? I've been praying for you. Can I pray with you? Give us those moments even today, Father. But I'm always reminded that all the things, most of the things we teach and preach, it comes down to this. The first step is saying yes to a love relationship with you and then your spirit occupying us and giving us the desire and the, the, the power to serve you, to please you in everything we do as your representatives. So I pray that where it's needed, the Holy Spirit would bring conviction, not condemnation, but you would give us a wake up, greater urgency for our kids and grandkids that more than anything else, we want them to make heaven their home and we wanna be the best influence we can regardless of where we are on the maturity line and how old we may be. May we realize that we have a powerful influence, the consistency of our lives. May our lives point to you as we align with you, your word, your truth as we align ourselves on God's side. So I thank you for this powerful challenge today. May we receive it. And I pray that this year going forward, we'll see things like never before in where people are falling away and rejecting faith, all these things. May we see a greater influx than ever before of people that are coming to faith saying, I'm choosing to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm saying yes to a love relationship with him. And may we be about the Father's business which is making disciples and teaching them to obey all things, knowing that you are with us because you're in us. And I pray it confidently, expectantly, boldly, joyfully, in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And everybody in the house said, amen. Would you 
mingle and walk slowly through the crowd, linger a little bit, look for somebody to greet. Our altars and stairs are always open for prayer. If you need to ask us about something or pray, you always can pray alone, but we're just here not to overwhelm you, but to assist you in any way we can. If you've got a prayer request, drop it off at our prayer center out there, our kiosk, you can do that. Those I gave cards to, would you please drop those off at the Connect area? We wanna put faces and names together. So good, so good to have you here. We'll see you soon.